Say it louder. Thank you, Leo. Yes, Colby Sharp. I'm a huge fan of Colby's. I don't know if he found me or if I found him or where it all started, but I love the content that he creates on Instagram and YouTube. Seems like his life's pursuit is to not only enjoy life, but to get others to enjoy it through the medium of reading. He's a fifth grade teacher, a father of five. Yes, five kids. He's on a running streak. He's nearing 1,700 consecutive days. And today, he's going to join us and talk about that streak. And I couldn't be more excited to welcome my new friend, Colby Sharp. All right. Well, welcome to the DFL Before DNF podcast. I'm Josh from Borderlands Trail Running. I am super excited about this one today with Colby because of multiple reasons. But one of those reasons is I have a fifth grader and he is a fifth grade teacher and he has a strong presence online around reading. And maybe he talks about books for other grade levels as well, but they just happen to catch my attention when it's something that my son might like. And so I I love to consume what he's putting out there on that level. Uh, He's also a runner, run streaker, uh, if you will. Uh, And so, so it's not just about kids books. However, if it was, I wouldn't be sad. Uh, I think this is going to be a fun conversation, so I'm super thankful. So, Colby, welcome. Thanks for joining me today. Thanks for having me, Josh. This is exciting. I love yeah. all the Borderlands stuff, especially. I think I, – I don't know how many people have can say this, but I've listened to every episode. Mm. I listened this morning wow. on my run, and I'm really bad with names, but I – I guess I give all the episodes like my own little name. Like today I listened to the skateboarding hot sauce guy. Oh, episode, isn't he fun? So. Yeah. I'm looking forward to that collaboration that you're going to do with former skateboarders yeah. that run. Yeah, me too. Me it's too. Be fun. Well, I, I appreciate that. And here's another thing that I admire about you um, from just some, a little bit of due diligence on my end is that not only are you a teacher, you've got this run streak going that we'll get into more, um, but you clearly have kids that you love. And that you that you value, and I think there's five of them. Is that true? Yep. Tell me a little bit about them. What what uh, what's it like being a dad of five kids? It's the best. Yeah, I um, I've taught the older three in class, which is amazing. I teach I teach in a a small town that actually grew up in. You can see Mm -hmm. my parents' house actually from school, which is kind of fun. So what what town are you in? Parma. So there's probably I mean it's your. it's truly the one blinking light town, not even a stoplight, one blinking oh. light town. I grew up here. My dad grew up here. He went to the same school. I teach Whoa. in a classroom that I had as a kid. No way. Yeah. My kids get to walk home to grandma's house when they're in elementary every day oh. after school. So that's uh, a really fun way to grow up. But yeah, we have five kids from 17, so 17, 15, 13, 9, and 7. Okay. So you Ooh. haven't sent the first one off yet to college or they haven't graduated no, high school uh, yet. Yeah, he's a high school. He's our band kid, cross country track oh, runner. Oh. Uh, we're working, working the fast food, Jimmy John's restaurant job, like you know, oh, doing all great. those, all those growing up things. So it's fun. Man. Well, yeah, I, I say, you know, from, from one dad to another, I just always admire, um, when I see other dads just proud of their kids and, and you clearly, clearly are. And so I think that's, oh, that's just a cool point of connection. Good kids. Yeah, good, good. So let's talk a little bit about uh, reading, even before running. I'm, 
I mean, you clearly have a passion for it. And you go way back as someone who's been talking about it publicly and, and, and advocating for reading and advocating for authors, it looks like also mm-hmm. books that you love because you have a big platform on, on YouTube and Instagram. Talk to me a little bit about your passion uh, related to reading. I mean, you're a teacher. It would be easy to mm-hmm. have a passion like hot sauce or something that's not. <laughs> but you, what you do when you're not working maybe looks a little bit like what you do when you are working. Yeah. Maybe? So. You know, I was like your traditional kid. I read a lot in elementary school. I, you know, Gary Paulson's Hatchet was the book that I say changed my life. Okay. Um, then I got to middle school. I read one book in three years. I got to high school. I read one book in four years. Me and too. then I, I went to a community college and I couldn't pass the science class. Like I couldn't, it was the first time in my life I couldn't just show up to school. Hmm. And do well. I actually had to like be able to read this textbook and I, I just, I tried but I couldn't do it. Um, and it was because I wasn't a good enough reader and I made it all the way through school. I got good enough Hmm. grades, Hmm. but I couldn't read. And at my time, at the time, my girlfriend was a big reader and Mm -hmm. she was getting like a full ride scholarship to the small liberal arts school. She was one year behind me in school and she was Mm -hmm. always reading like Count of Monte Cristo. She would like have in the car when we would go on dates. And yeah. so I asked her for a book and, and she kind of got me reading. She's my wife now, mother of our oh, five kids. So nice. that, that's a good part of the story. But I started reading and I got to hear all these great stories and all hmm. these magical worlds. And I was then able to, to do the things that I wanted in school. And I just saw the power when I became a teacher and I wasn't maybe a very good teacher at first. You know, it was through through reading teacher books and different things that helped me to see what was possible. Mm-hmm. And I didn't want any of my kids that I teach to have to go through what I went through in college where mm-hmm. I was not able to do what I dreamed to do because I wasn't a good enough reader. So that's hmm. really why I throw all my passion into that. I see the impact that reading can have hmm. on kids and do you remember what the lives. one book was in high school that you read? Yeah, it was a biography about Bob Hurley. So I was obsessed with Bobby Hurley, the basketball player from Duke. Okay. okay. He's this little little point guard. And it was his dad who was a legendary Catholic high school basketball coach in New Jersey. So that huh. was the one book that I read. Sports Interesting. Book, yeah. I mean, I think it's curious because you're talking about all these other books that you read, but that I think in some on some levels it's a fascinating conversation to be to say what like how did that one book get you compared to like being presented with all these books because mine was Catcher in the Rye when I was mm-hmm. seventeen that was the only book I read okay. before the age of eighteen and that one might be more obvious like I'm yeah. I'm not holding Caulfield but I am coming of age I am trying to figure out who I am and I do you know I felt growing up was hard and I didn't want to you know I wanted to, mm-hmm. I love sort of the childlike nature yeah. of keeping kids young. That that one book captured your attention. That's just interesting to me. One well, of all me, the ones that you were presented yeah. with. And the part of the story that I didn't say, my teacher handed it to me. She was at mm. an event and saw the book and she says, I think that you would love to read this. Hmm. And that's kind of the way that I walk into my class every day. Every day could be the day that a kid finds that book. Every oh, day could be great. the day that they find their hatchet, that they find their catcher in the rye, that they yeah. find that book that, you know, reading's always going to be there for for a kid. And yeah. we're going to have these times, these peaks and valleys in our reading lives. Yeah. And if they have those books to hang on to, that catcher in the rye, that hatchet, that 
the one and only Ivan or Wonder or the Wild Robot, the books that kids are reading today, yes. they, they, yep. they always have that foundation that they can come back to. So if we can mm. help them to have those, a lot of people call them those heart print books, hmm. then, then reading is something that they can see has value in their lives when they're ready to come back to it. Hmm. And as a fifth grade teacher, I guess even in a small town, are you, are you teaching, you're teaching every subject to a fifth grade class, right? My teaching partner and I switch for science and social studies. So I teach all the social studies. She teaches all the science. Okay. So then your, your, your passion for reading kind of has its moment in the day with your, mm-hmm. these same kids that you see every day. So yep. is, do you see a trend? I mean, with someone who's so into reading, do you see a transition in your kids from day one to, you know, the last day of fifth grade every year oh, in terms of well, reading? I'm- yeah. And plus I have a reputation now, like they know what they're getting when you walk into my classroom <laughs> and you see 3,500 books. So from the moment they, they walk in, they know what we value. And I think that's yeah. a big part of it, right? Like just being excited about reading is such a big part of the battle. Just being excited about anything, right? Yeah. Like the, the math teacher that is just nerdy about numbers is going to ha- is going to get kids to be excited about that. Like, I'm right. not, I'm not a great social studies teacher, but man, I get excited about the stamp act, man. When we are doing the intolerable <laughs> acts, I am like, this is the most exciting thing ever. Yeah. So yeah, getting, and they're excited. My kids know authors and illustrators and books and series, as well as I would say just about any class around because we're excited about it and we live, we live it and it's a community, right? Like you're such a big community guy and the community yeah. that you've built. And that's what we have. I really say there's four mm. things. You have time to read, choice to read what you want. You have access to lots of books and then you're part of a community. And if we yeah. can do those four things, then really great things can happen. Wow. Um, I mean, I don't even know where to begin. I, I think I'm curious what, you know, I don't know. I, I I don't always love the word like influencer, but like you, you are influencing a lot of people to see certain authors and to, you know, to parents, to motivate their kids to read and then motivating kids to read. Where did that, where did that start? Like from like Colby Sharp, the influencer, was that on Instagram? Was that on YouTube? So maybe 12 years ago. I do this thing at the beginning of the year. I don't know if you've ever seen, there's this famous video of Steve Ballmer, who was like a big Microsoft guy. He owns the Clippers (laughs) where he's just like running around stage going nuts about his company. Oh, yes. So many years, the first day of the school year, I do this thing where I talk about how I love reading and I'm just like, at a level nine or 10 volume, I'm jumping on desk. I'm jumping from desk to desk talking about how much I love reading. I love reading. And one year uh, someone filmed it. Oh. And then that was put on social media. Okay. And then that kind of got a lot of people watched it through that way. Um, Mm -hmm. So it was, yeah, that I love reading speech. So if you ever just Google Mr. Sharp loves reading, a much younger version of me will be hopping from desk to desk. Oh man, I I love it. I don't know if it's, I don't know if it's aged well, but that's probably where it all started. (laughs) Okay. Um, And it really also started with me just learning from other teachers and getting book ideas. It was kind of like the earlier days of Twitter where Mm -hmm. we were all just like excited to be talking to each other and everything was real positive. Yeah. That's cool. So we had a brief exchange yesterday just via email saying that, you know, there was on your mind was, you know, this, this idea of, um, you know, why kids aren't exercising and running as much after they leave elementary school or, you know, in, in, in that also like reading being this launch pad into a, being a lifelong reader as well. Mm-hmm. 
I think even as we kind of hone in on some specifics with this conversation, I like this idea and I'm, and what I admire about you as a teacher is you're, you're kind of, you're thinking, setting these kids up for life. And that, that feels like that should be intuitive. Like you're in yes, elementary school and that's what 100%. you're going to do, but you're kind of laying a foundation so that when they're out of your class, you, you've left an impression of love for reading and yes. perhaps running. Yeah. It's the same thing. Like yeah. every kid just about comes to school loving to read, right? You'll mm. just see them. They don't even maybe know how to read the words, but they will just sit with books and turn Great pages point. and want to show everyone everything else. It's the same thing with running, right? Like you have three kids. Kids do not learn to walk. Like they walk <laughs> so that they can run. So right? that like kids run. are trying yeah. to learn to run. Yeah. And and our gym teacher who is just amazing, they do they have to run the mile in fifth uh-huh. grade, right? For a time. And so they we have this track. It's like four and three quarters laps or something around mm-hmm. the playground. And every lap they get a straw, right? So that they can keep track of of how many laps they've done. Yeah. And they don't love it. They don't love yeah. it in fifth grade. So already mm-hmm. we've taken this thing that they love to do running and they're mm-hmm. already developing, uh, being against it. But in kindergarten at the beginning of the year, he has them run a lap just to, just to, just to try it. Right. And he mm-hmm. gives them a straw at the end. And he's like, if you want to keep going, keep going, but you know, go, or you can go play on the playground after your lap. And they mm-hmm. all just keep running laps really? and they just keep collecting straws. And they're so excited mm. about it. like, they're just so excited to run and be outside and right. Like we have to teach them to not run and they just want to run everywhere. And, wow. and I'm, wow. and I think about like my own journey in school. I, I yeah. don't really know what your story is, Josh, from like your younger days is running, mm-hmm. but mine was basically, I hated it in middle school. This is yeah. like reading, right? Yep. I remember the first week of middle school, we had to run around the gym for three minutes, cones <laughs> at each corner. And then mm-hmm. the next week, four. And then the next week, five, until the test at the end of the semester was, can <laughs> we run for 20 minutes? And it was the worst. Yeah. And so that's my memory from middle school. And then in high school, 10th grade, trying out for the basketball team, we had to run two mile, a time two miles, eight, eight trips around the track. And I mm-hmm. remember finishing dead last. And the next day I was caught from the junior varsity basketball team. Oh, no. So all I had were these awful memories around running. Just like with reading, I didn't have a lot of positive memories. I had like the Scarlet Letter that I read a page of. I had um, The Great Gatsby, which I read a chapter of, like all of these failed moments. And I'm just thinking like, and I don't, I'm not, I don't have the, I have some answers with reading. I don't have the answers with running. But yeah. what if we can just, and just like with reading this lifelong skill, like my daughters are competitive gymnasts, practice 25 hours a week. They're not going to do gymnastics as adults. Hmm. Kids are not going to play football. Very few kids even play basketball as adults, but running is something, moving your body forward is something that if we can give kids positive experiences Hmm. with that Mm -hmm. and keep them running, keep them moving, it will change their life. Yes. Yeah. I, I, my, my experience with running as a kid was that I was a baseball player. And so, uh, running was punishment for, you know, doing something wrong (laughs) Mm -hmm. later in life. It didn't even occur to me until I I made these really great friends. They were the Mowers. They're from Wisconsin and they moved to Salt Lake city. I grew up in West Texas. I moved here when I was 19. So the Mowers were a running family and Jackie shows up wearing a shirt that says, my sport is your sport's punishment. And I, and that was just like, Oh, that's it. Yeah. I mean, I, 
And so I, I really got into running. There, there's a handful of people that were influential, but the Maurer family was yeah. among the most. And I thought, yeah, that was it. Like I, I always viewed it. I viewed that if I had done something wrong in baseball and not so much that it was like, it's not, it's, it wasn't even like deep or, you know, angry. Mm-hmm. It was just like, oh yeah, perceptively yeah. You push your body hard like that. If you make a mistake, so let's not make a mistake in baseball because the mm-hmm. goal in baseball is different. And that's not then, even condition. That's not even conditioning, which, you know, you do right. need for certain sports. Like right. that's right. flat out. We have to fix a problem. We're going to make you do this thing and, mm-hmm. that you don't want to do. Yes. Continue. And so Sorry. by, by making that the thing that you do when you've done something incorrectly, you're just, it, it's just cast in a negative light, obviously. Mm-hmm. So it's, you know, running is negative. And if you don't want to run, then you got to play baseball better. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Easy, easier said than done. Easier right. said than done. Right. And then, yeah. Uh, yeah, it, you know, I started to get obsessed with it when, when these really important men in my life who were mentor types were also runners and they were like, Hey, I don't have time for a one-on-one with you, but we're running up the uh, canyon. Join me. Let's talk. And so we would do these hard runs or, you know, with this, this guy named Lee and, uh, you know, there was just, there was just all these people that came yeah. in. And so then to me, running became formation, like of the whole person. So it was where I would mm. become more healthy, but that was actually secondary because I was so interested in, in what these men had to yeah. to give me. So running became so deeper, so much deeper. And then I found ultra running. And then, you know, I was able to kind of tie so many parts of like my ambitious personality to my desire to be formed and all these sort of things came at this intersection of ultra running. So that's, that's my elevator version. <laughs> so you have, and you yeah, just thinking of like the positive things that you associate with running, how yes. many positive, I mean, even though you've haven't finished seven of your 800 mile runs, you yeah. still have an overwhelming amount of positive things. Yes. That you can associate, so you're more likely to do it. Yes. So that's what I want to be able to help these kids that we serve, like how mm. can we give them, they're not all going to try to run hundred miles. I don't, right. you know, I don't need that, but I want them to be healthy. I want them to have yes. things in their life where they can get that. Like this, that time alone that you can have with yourself running yeah. is just, I don't think I could, I could live without that. Yeah. And so what about you? Did you, you've all, running has been a hobby. Did you run in college? Did you no, I I ran like <laughs> I started to run a little bit in college because I wasn't playing sports and I I was worried that I was I you know what am I am like getting out of shape here? Uh, yes. So there was my wife was a runner. She was all state cross country, all state track. Um, wow. Girlfriend at the time, so yeah. I was getting around cross country more. So I thought I would try to start running, and the goal was to run two miles because. I left my house and I went south on the road my parents lived on. Mm-hmm. I would end, or the one mile turnaround was right before you had to go down a big hill. So I'm like, if I ever, I'm never going to go farther than this because if I go down this yeah. big hill, then I have to come back <laughs> up this hill. Right. So I was able to work up to that. Um, and, you know, then kind of on and off, I would say in my, when we started having kids is when I really started to, to run a lot more. Hmm. Hmm. And, and where, so where does this run streak come into your story? Uh, I guess the first time I heard about the run streak was in, uh, the book running with the Buffaloes, which follows okay. the Colorado men's and women's uh, cross country team for a season and the coach. Oh, I don't, I don't know this book. It's probably the best. It's probably the best running book I've ever read. Really running with the Buffaloes. And what's really interesting okay. in so many of the running books is a lot of the character, like the people you see in like other books, like 
this like uh, Adam Goucher is in mm-hmm. this book, right? Who now is, I guess, often referred name. to as Kara Goucher's. Yes, uh, hu- that's how I yes, know the name. Kara Goucher's husband. He was a multiple time national champion oh. in, in Colorado. But the coach had a running streak, and I remember he needed hernia surgery, mm-hmm. but he decided not to get it because it would affect his streak. I'm like, well, that's different than how I run. Uh, and then I yeah. saw just some people online who who did it. I had a, a, a teacher friend who I saw he was trying to do it for a year. Mm-hmm. And then, yeah, August 4th, 2019, I started running. I feel like Forrest Gump here. I just yeah. started running. Um, <laughs> and then I you know, tried to do it for a month. And then when COVID came, like really mm-hmm. came in March, um, that was really like the only way for me to kind of get out of the house and yeah, and have some some normalcy in my life. But wow. yeah, every every day. So I'm not like there's people who have way longer streaks, but I'm over 1600 between 1600 and 1700 days every day, every single school day. But maybe one or two a school year is in the morning. So it's yeah. always 4 a.m. alarm out the door. Okay, six six miles is pretty much every day. Really? Okay. That's what I was going to say. Like in a, in a run streak, like, you know, what about like you're traveling for some reason, you're in an airport. I've seen run streakers running through airports before, you know, like trying to keep it alive. Like what are some of the crazier things you've had to do to keep it alive? My wife and I celebrated our 20th anniversary last year in St. Lucia. And Uh the day before we're supposed to fly home, a (laughs) tropical storm hit. <laughs> and I, I, I was very so. It, all the power went out, the the sound, the wind, and so I ran for like fifty minutes at like one in the morning just to try to because I couldn't sleep, so I just like ran around yeah. our Airbnb just wow. nonstop, nonstop. So I'm, Is that I don't on Strava have a, by chance. That one's not on Strava, okay. but um, love to see that. All, most of the other ones. I think I only marked it as like a mile because I didn't want to like cheat or anything. But yeah. It's, uh, that was probably the hardest. It's hard when we're like our daughters have like gymnastics meets and things in different states. Yeah. Those are the hardest, like a Saturday, if I have to get up at like 5 a.m. to yeah. run from a hotel, that's tricky. It's, it's, I bet. it's actually become easier at home to run than I think than to not run. Mm, I bet. If I don't just do it in the, the morning. Yeah. yeah. If I don't do it in the morning, I, I worry about it and I think about it. So it's best hmm. to just. What time just are you to going it. to bed if you're getting up at four and able to run? <laughs> I don't know, like ten thirty, eleven o'clock. Okay. So you you're able to to. I mean, you're are you extroverted? Or do you, you don't need as much sleep, maybe. Uh, I really like the sleep, but uh, I mean, I, I'm fine. <laughs> we have five kids, yeah. right? Like we have all that training yeah. of, not, of not having a lot of yeah, time fair. to sleep. So you probably so you kept so with your youngest being sleep trained, you know, at this point, yes. there is a, there is this thing wherever it comes from evolutionary biology, whatever we've evolved to be able to handle less sleep than we think. Yeah. You learn that um, among other places if you have kids. And so mm-hmm. what you're saying is maybe on some level you kept that alive. Like yeah. you didn't let that, what strength I would say of needing less sleep atrophy after you, your kids got older. Yeah. And I try to make every all of like the running and all of like the social media stuff I do with books. I try to make that have as little impact on my family as possible. So yeah. 90% of my runs are done before while people at the worst people are just waking up. Yeah. 
Yeah, I'm I'm similar. I'm similar though different. So I I will wake up now at four thirty, but it's to do a lot of work mm-hmm. so that when I go on my run in the middle of the day, I'm not. I'm not sacrificing family, but I'll go in yeah. the middle of the day, but it's because I've my job is flexible enough to where I can put in a couple hours before kids are awake, before anybody's awake. So yeah. I'm not good at getting out the door and going for that run at 4.30, <laughs> but I am good at getting up at 4.30 and working. So that's my trade-off. Yeah. I think, I think you have to balance and figure that out. And, and it's, there's nothing yeah. wrong with like running when my kids are awake. Like you yeah. need that time and you need to like take care of yourself. So yeah, but for me, that seems, that seems to work. And I don't have to think about it. I always tell people like that are trying to work out, like if you just do it in the morning, it's done. Yeah. And then if you don't get it done, there's time. But if you wait till later in the day and something comes up, then you just can't do it. Yeah. Yeah. Like today is kind of a funny day for me. Like I've got, um, I'm doing three of these interviews today to roll out over the next few days. I had coffee with an old friend this morning. And I, I teach a class at the University of Utah on Thursday nights for three hours, and nice. I've got to and I've got to run ten hours. Uh, sorry, ten hours, ten miles today. I'm trying to. So it's one of those days, you know. Yeah, you uh, just figure but, it out though. Yeah, and just we're capable of doing it, and and it helps for me. You know, when we talk about ambition as a parent, wanting to be a good father and wanting to be a good husband, but to have a partner like my wife. Who, yeah, that's who gets the, me. Yeah, like that's important. Can't be understated. Yeah. Hey, I have a question for you. Yeah. So I am have no plans to run a hundred mile run, but my mm. wife is running a hundred this summer. Yes. Okay. Great. A ta- some Tahoe rim thing. Yeah, the rim know. trail. Yeah. Yes. Tahoe one hundred. So, what is your advice for me? Like, there's lots of advice for her out there. Like, oh my you've, gosh. you ran these races, you've been crewed by people. Like, what do I need to do <laughs> to be? Cause I, I love, like, I've done, like, I've crewed her in the backyard ultras. I've crewed okay. her at 50 miles, but like, this is different. The, like, uh, what a great It's question. more than twice as long, right? Because you're yeah. not going to be running as fast as, so I don't really know. I can't like envision what that time <laughs> looks like for me. Are you her crew chief? I am the only person coming. Love it. So you've got yes. reliable babysitters and, you know, yes. that are, yep. okay. It'll be like her anniversary summer trip. Yeah. Oh gosh. First off, I love you. This is great. <laughs> like to, I, uh, that you're doing this, you know, and thinking this way, like that this is what you guys are doing when you're, <laughs> you know, yeah. for, for fun together. When I think about that, I, I so for so long I hadn't been on a crew until a buddy of mine, Cordell, asked me to to pace him at some races. And mm-hmm. man, I I just think that first off, I there's like I, I get kind of romantic with my language in this space, but it's like this is it's sacred space to be in suffering with somebody, regardless of if it's voluntary or not. So first first off, like, and you say this to her first hundred miler. First hundred mile, yeah. Yeah, she's gonna she's gonna encounter something in herself that she's never met before. And so one of the key things abstractly is to have grace on her when you encounter her and perhaps you don't recognize the person that's before you. And this is late race, this is middle of the night, this is desire to quit, kind of yeah. If she if she goes there mentally. Um I was just talking to the guy who's gonna be the crew chief for me at uh, okay. Zion coming up and, you know, I'm not externally motivated. So for me, the trick is 
uh, we've got to have a lot of conversations leading up to say, Hey, how do we, how do we put all the stuff in me that I can pull from? And how can he help me pull from what's inside of me instead of, he's not going to be able to say, Hey, get up. You can do it. You can do it. Unfortunately, I don't hear that. Okay. And that could be a problem. I'm willing to admit, but if it's, if there's a, like a well within me that we can grab stuff out of. So what we're trying to do is fill that well up. So one question I would have for her is big picture. Are you externally motivated or internally motivated? If you're externally, let's talk about how I can encourage you, how I can coach you, how I can push you. When you say you want to stop, do you want me to tell you to keep going? Do you want me to get in your face or do you want me to put my arm around you and say, if I were in this situation, I'd want to stop too. Mm. I get it. Like, does she want to be understood? Um, and this is this is also like marriage one hundred one. I guess. <laughs> like, do you want to be understood right now, or do you want me to push your ass out there? And yeah, like, are we going to finish this thing? Or if you want to stop, like, what type of partner do you need? A lot of it, and she also won't be able to answer it. Mm. Uh, but just to say, like, hey, we're talking about, it. and then you get to this moment of like, okay, you know, she doesn't want this. She does want this. She. You know, one of the things that people do for me that is is fun, even if it's not motivating, is showing up with snacks that I didn't ask for. Ah. So it's like, hey, I thought here's, you know, like have 10 things in your pack. Like when she shows up, she knows what she wants. She has her race plan and just say, hey, I brought also brought these things. And she may say no to all of them. But for me, that's just kind of fun. It's like, oh, variety, because there's going to be flavor, palate fatigue of all the stuff that she thinks that she wants. Yeah. Um. So, so really it's like, imagine that you're showing up with 100% of yourself and you like of what you think is enough. Here's 100% of Colby, but what you're, what she's actually going to need is 150% of you and that other 50% you won't know until the moment. Okay. So to just be like, I'm here for whatever this, whatever it means to be here. And, you know, like having your first aid kit of goodies, that you know, and, and that first aid kit is, is is both anything from Vaseline to Oreos, or whatever she likes, or you know, the things that might bring her delight yeah. at mile eighty. It's such a cool experience. I mean, that sacred space of being with someone when they're suffering, whether it's voluntarily yeah. or not, is so special. Well, how do, how do you feel about bringing so many more people along this time then? Because you are, you know, you've had your races that you haven't finished and the race that you did finish, but now you're bringing along this entire community. Yeah. And there's expectations and I don't know if there's pressure or what is that? Like, that's quite bold. Yeah. (laughs) Thank you. I, I feel like one thing I haven't done is burn the ships, so to speak, where it's like, I am finishing. I'm finishing. (laughs) I, because I am, kind of happy within myself and I don't need external things mm-hmm. to, I don't need the awards to feel validated within myself. Like there's this, I'm, I'm, I feel like very like, okay within myself. So if I quit, whatever. Well, I, I don't want to do that this time. So one is it's like opening it up to the whole world. I'm doing this. I'm seeking advice. And most of that advice comes down to just a few things, but one is being convinced within your own mind that you're going to finish. I still struggle with that to this okay. moment, but bringing them, bringing them all in is also, there's a part of me that the people I love, even though I'm introverted, so I don't have a wide circle, but the people that I love, uh, Oh, I just love being with them. Mm. 
So I've got my friend Alex, my one of my best friends from high school, Ryan, and then my good friend Jeremy, who's been in a lot of different things. Jeremy's former Navy. Alex is currently in the Air Force, and Ryan is a former Green Beret or okay. uh, Army Ranger. So I'm trying to tap into that. So the joy of being with them will be one thing. The next thing will be they're all bringing this mil- military mindset uh, that hopefully. I can pick up the crumbs of their determination. That you don't listen to. That you don't. Yeah, I know. So, like, so let's just. I'm like, trying to get through osmosis. Do you think you're going to finish this time? I I do. This time I. Let's I think, go. Let's I go, Josh. <laughs> I'm tr- so you know since you've listened to some of the stuff, there's the the Matt uh, Matt Johnson's makes me laugh, but it also was a a good moment of like self awareness. It's like saying that I'm the best. And then finishing 976th and then saying, see, I told you I'm the best. I think <laughs> that to me was one of the more like, oh, okay. So he's like this kind of arrogant coming off guy, but he's really just saying, I'm saying I'm really, I'm not literally the best. I know that, but I need to tell myself better things than what I currently tell myself because the current messages in my mind are not working. They are not good for anybody. So if I can work on this self-talk piece of like, hey, I am good. I can do this. I don't know if I could ever yeah. say I'm the best, but to be like, I am good. I am, I yeah. am strong. I should be able to do that. There's no reason I can't do this unless I get a, a legit injury. So I'm going to finish. So of the seven you haven't finished physically, how many do you think you could have finished? Um, I think of the seven, I think if I if I try and be objective on them, I think three of them I, I legit could have. Okay. Could have kept going. I think my first one, which set the tone, which I DNF'd, uh, that set the tone. I made it to mile 78. I, I, I ran out of water and my pacer for 16 miles, he didn't bring water. He wasn't an ultra guy, but he's an old mar- road marathoner. He's like, oh, I, I wish I would have thought to bring water even for myself. <laughs> I, it was only 16 miles. And so I didn't think I would need water. And I was like, so, wah, wah. yeah, so they all have their stories, but I think there's, there's a few that was just like my brain, my brain is my biggest weakness. I, you know, my self messaging, all yeah. this sort of stuff is, is the key takeaway for me. And it will make me a better ultra runner, which ultimately, because I'm not elite, my, my greatest goal for being a good ultra runner is becoming a better person. And I think yeah. that this self-talk thing is going to take, is taking me in the right direction. You got this, Josh. I love your, thank you for asking me questions. That was, that was nice. It's just so exciting. Like, I don't know, all this like running thing stuff. It's just, yeah. I just can't, can't stop thinking like a couple of weeks. You know, I ran my first 50 K last year. It, oh, was like nice. 20, it was like 30 people, 24 people. Right. And it was it. awesome. And then like, I've run a couple five K's lately. There's like 300 people and just, I've done the, I've been to the backyards with my wife and big ultras with my wife and mm-hmm. It's just all awesome. This is why yes, like running it? with young kids is so great because it's mm. just magical. Like watching yeah. every every 5K that I've been to, they always ask the same question, whose first 5K is this? Yeah. And there's always a bunch of hands that go up. And just like the, yeah. the, the thought that they have an opportunity to join this community that has given us so much. Yeah. It's just so exciting. It is. That's a that's a good note to to end on and to let you for everyone listening needs to know that you're on your lunch break 
Gotta go get the kids from recess. Yeah. And you're about to get the kids from recess. And that's so generous of you to to give of what would normally be maybe some good downtime or something for you. So thank you so much for appreciate you, Josh. Sharing your time and uh, I can't wait to hear how your wife does that race and how you do as pacer. I mean, I think that's a, that's a legit thing. Like, you know, make sure as a crew, whatever, like making sure you take care of yourself. Yeah. All right. Thanks, Josh. Cheers. Thank you. See you, man. Thank you. Welcome to the world.